Events of every size can have sponsors. It's not just the Olympics, which are taking place as we're recording this now. And it's not just major sports leagues. Actually, sponsorship for events ranges from every size you can imagine. Thanks for listening to Bowties and Business. And today we're going to get into event sponsorship, of course, some entrepreneurial conversations, and a little bit more with Sheila FG. As always, you can find us on our socials at Bowties and Business on Facebook and Instagram and Bowties and B-I-Z on Twitter. You can find me at Tim Kubiak just about everywhere. Sheila, thanks so much for being here. Oh, you're very welcome, Tim. Thank you so much for having me on here. So it was interesting because when I first you know, was approached about having you on, I'm like, wait, sponsorship for every event? Unheard of. So <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thought it? <laughs> right? Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it really, I mean, you know, there's all different levels of sponsorship and um, strategic partnerships. And honestly, as long as everyone's kind of being fed through the relationship, there's no reason why not. So you've started a couple of businesses, you've had some successful exits, you've had some struggles along the way. Do you mind sharing a little bit of your backstory? Sure, absolutely. So um, it all started when my daughter was born. Um, you can probably hear from my accent, I'm Irish. I moved to the States right after college. Um, my big fear was I'd meet an American, get stuck over here, which is basically what happened. Uh, we got married, uh, started to have kids. And when my first daughter was born, I was my background's actually in biotech. I was working for a pharmaceutical company and I knew that I didn't want to go back to work after maternity leave. I needed to figure something out. Um, you know, so I wanted to be home with her, but I also wanted to be able to pay my bills. So I started a business back then, which is one of the ones I ended up selling. And since then I've kind of um, been in business ever since. Um, some kind of very different businesses, but there is kind of a string of, of um, why they all connect, even though it's not always obvious, but it's just like people who came into my life or opportunities that came up and, you know, it all kind of worked. You know, that's the beauty of owning your own business and building your own thing. You can kind of change directions. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It's, so, it's the entrepreneurial thing, really. I mean, it's you, you have to balance it, though, because there's, the, you know, the, the shiny object syndrome and they're like, oh, that's a great. I, I could totally do his business. I could do a podcast right now, actually. You know? yeah. and, 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 you know, keeping focused as well. So it's you have to walk that line between the two. So you don't want to miss out on an opportunity, but you also don't want to squander the opportunity you have because you're looking elsewhere. Yeah, you, you can't execute on everything. It, and nobody has that many resources. Doesn't matter how big you are. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so connectedsponsors.com, finding sponsors, you have, I know, a uh, one-page giveaway on there? Yeah, so it's a, it's a training. So a, a lot of people ask me, like the big question they always ask is, how do you find sponsors? So um, when I started my first business, just to kind of give you a little bit of the backstory, I joined BNI, which is Business Network International. And um, I, it really helped me grow my business because it, my business is pretty unique. Um, people just gave me referrals all the time, which meant that I was now working to give them referrals because the whole reciprocity. Um, but it really gave me that big growth in the beginning. Um, but one of the things that we did in BNI was we'd invite visitors to come to our chapter because we were always looking to grow our chapters and have more people in there so that there'd be more referrals being passed around. And one of the, the strategies they had was a called Follow Your Checkbook. So when I started doing sponsorship, I started thinking about, you know, when, when, especially for events, usually somebody's coming to an event for some sort of transformation. So either to learn something or to improve something in their lives or gain a new skill, whatever it is. And usually the person holding the event or teaching the event is kind of where they want to be. 
and they're looking for that transformation. So what I started doing was sitting down with the event owner um, that I was finding sponsors for and say, okay, uh, what do you do every month in terms of bills? Who, who are you paying? What are the resources you're using? Because if you're using them, they're probably going to be great for your students as well. And then we just try and curate like a really good mix of sponsors so that when the students walk out of the ballroom or get off the e-learning or whatever it is, um, they're just they're they're they have this whole resource of different um, companies that can help them get what they need to get. So it's it's kind of like building value, but also making money through it as well. So can sponsors actually draw additional attendees in for someone? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And the, I mean, you know, if that's a that's one of the the great things when that does happen, um, because why not? You know, it's like when what you're looking for is it to become like such a great symbiotic relationship that it just if it, it, it's going to go on forever and ever because everyone is getting what they need out of it so why would you ever like not do it anymore so you know if you have a sponsor who comes in with that kind of an attitude of like let me help you fill the event as well you know we have some people that could use what you're teaching um it just it becomes magical at that point because everyone's kind of working towards the same goal yeah it's interesting so i get hit up to sponsor things all day long yeah. Right. And literally yesterday I had three people hit me up as, and I knew I was going to be talking to you today. And one of the ones, you know, one of them was give us money. You know, you get your name on the website. You do this, you do that, blah, blah, blah. Another one was very similar, kind of same. Yeah, I'm in tech. So same kind of technology segment, yeah. similar audience, um, slightly different nuance. But the third one was, mm, so 20% more. But they said you can bring 20 people, you get these additional benefits, da 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 da. da. And I'm like, huh, I could bring people who I'm trying to, I'm already doing business with as a reward, people I'm trying to do business with. Guess who got my money? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And to bring that even one step further, imagine if that person that came to you and said, hey, Tim, what would make a sponsorship like unbelievable for you? What, what would make it a no brainer? Like, what could we add to it? So for them to give you 20 free tickets for the event is like nothing for them. It's like, it's filling their room. It's such an easy give. Um, but at the same time, it was so valuable to you. And that's a lot of the thing is like, I see people go out there and they make this mistake is they put together a sponsor deck and they're like, you know, we're going to have your logo here and you're this and you're that. And it doesn't really matter to you. You just want like, I mean, what are you really getting out of it? That's what you want to find out. Yeah. And if you're not getting good exposure to the audience, if you're not getting like benefits that you can bring back to your own people, um, you know, it's probably not going to be that interesting. So I always tell people, you know, have a conversation with a sponsor first and find out what they want. Just don't assume. Yeah. How, how often does a sponsor getting a speaking spot come into play? I see it a lot in my industry. Yeah, it, it comes in a lot. And uh, that's what most sponsors are looking for. And obviously, that's usually a more expensive sponsorship. Um, you know, it depends on the event that you're doing. It depends on whether they're trying to start from stage or just get known. Um, you know, so if it's kind of a pitch at the end or if it's more of a kind of a, a, a soft, you know, this is where you can find me. This is a lead magnet, something like that. Um, but it does happen a lot. Um, we, you know, a lot of events, you, you have the whole gamut of events. So you have some events where it is just a pitch fest. So each speaker is selling their whatever. And, you know, people are getting a little bit of, of value out of it, but not a ton. 
And then you have events that are like pure content and they're walking away with a like mind blown so much content and, you know, don't know where to go with it next. So finding that kind of a happy medium between the two is, is good. But for a sponsor, like speaking on stage is huge exposure. They're going to remember you from what your talk way more than you sitting in your booth outside the ballroom, you know? Yeah, it, it's interesting. I, I am happy to, and I've done a lot of speaking in my career. I hate the booth. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm good. I'm good at the coffee line. So. <laughs> well, that's, that's the thing. And like the thing with the booth as well is that it's a strategy. Like you should have people at your booth that are kind of like good at the coffee line. Yeah. And then you should have people actually back at the booth who are good at the closing. So you go out, you talk to them in the coffee line. You're like, hey, come on over here. I want to show you something. This is John. And he's going to explain X, Y, Z. And next thing they're, they're in the funnel and they're on their way. And then you go out to the coffee line and grab somebody else. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. By the way, you want, you know, it's always yeah. the giveaways. You know, yeah. yeah, yeah. Fun of me. I'm not wearing it today, but even though it's summer, I have this one vest I got at a trade show years ago. <laughs> It's a Patagonia vest. I'd have never paid that much for a vest myself, but somebody got me to their booth with it. And I happened to, you know, be friends with a few of the execs at the company and yeah. I show up in it and they're like, why are you advertising them? They gave me this vest. Of course. <laughs> and you love it. And there's value. Yeah. yeah. You're you're literally a walking advertisement. Actually, you should now go back to them and say, you need to sponsor me because I'm walking around with your logo all day long. <laughs> you know what? That's actually a good idea. <laughs> I don't think they'll do it. But anyway, because you're going to do it anyway, right? You love the vest. They just ipo They've probably got some money to spend. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so if what kind of events should do you help people find sponsors for? Where do you start? Um, so I, I do a lot of events. The, the events I personally work for people to find sponsors um, have, are more in kind of the digital marketing arena. I've really kind of pivoted away from that the last couple of years. I don't really take on new clients. I've created everything now in a product. And the, the, one of the main reasons for doing that is I have to say no so often because there's only so much of that you can do. And as soon as people hear what I do, they're like, oh, can you find me sponsors? And sometimes it's like, but no more thought thing. Like, can you get me a check? Because there's so much more to it than that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so my hope is that I'm going to create all these like sponsor heroes that I can now say, you know, I can't do your event, but I have, you know, these four or five people that would be um, great for you. So let me introduce you. Perfect. So when people come in, they, they download your education. What would be a next step for them? Um, for a next step for them, I mean, if they're following the process that I teach is, is you know, there, there's an abundance of people who want them to work for them. So to really kind of um, hone in and pick who they want to work with. Um, and then just kind of the, the first thing is kind of an onboarding of the client to figure out, you know, what it is that they're doing, what, um, what are they teaching, what is their event about, who's their avatar, who's going to be in the room, because that's what the sponsors are buying is access to the, the crowd in the room. Um, and then, you know, what is it that they need? And once they get, get that out to, all together, they can start building a database of, of what they need, like going out and getting those companies and um, getting them involved and bringing them in and, you know, then just managing the process all the way through. You know, the goal of, of any event is that, you know, halfway through the event, you can go back to all the sponsors and say, so how's it going? They're like, oh, it's going great. This is amazing. And you're like, well, next year we're doing it here. And do you want to pick out your booth and just like resell them again and, you know, keep going? So what makes the event good for a sponsor at that point? Is it booth traffic? Is it the quality of conversations? What really it's lands? It's a lot of it. It's, it's, it's like it truly is a, a partnership with the event owner. So it's, it's, it's more than like, I mean, I see some event owners and they will um, 
you know, they'll bring a sponsor and they'll sign a contract, they'll get a check and they'll be like, great, thank you. And it's like, that's kind of the end of the relationship where it really should be the beginning of the relationship. Um, so it's just, you know, the, the boot traffic obviously is important. Um, the endorsements from the stage, you know, this is company XYZ. We use these guys, you should too. That goes a long way, like that just one sentence and people are like, okay, <laughs> you know, they go out and they, they see them. But just like really kind of making sure that the communication is there. Um, like when I'm at events working with sponsors, I'll hit the booth probably four or five times a day, just checking in. Is everything going okay? Is um, is there something more we could be doing for you? Just really kind of treating them like gold because they are gold. I mean, they're essentially paying for your event and then some. Um, and just making sure that that everything is okay. Like I've stood in boots and sold their stuff because someone needs to go to the bathroom. And I'm like, hey, go go do it. You know, just give me the bullet points of what we're selling here, and I'll sell it for you. Um, but yeah, just just having that relationship and being open, taking feedback, asking for feedback, and then taking the feedback and and making the changes for them to try, you know, within reason to get them everything that they need, so that again, it's so successful that there's they'd be crazy enough to come back. Some of the best value, just sharing some more personal experience here, and I'm curious your opinion, that I've seen yeah. at the sponsor of events is actually the pre-event build-up yeah. and the post-event push by the host. Right, yeah. Right? Yep. You know, because there may be the person that talked to you briefly at the booth or saw you speak on stage that didn't have time to interact with you. What was that guy's name again? Jim something? or Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I get Steve Jim, a lot. Jim, I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly so the more of that that's there and the more access that you have to that is is going to be huge for you yeah you talked about avatars yep right and i think that's somewhere where a lot of even frankly mid-sized businesses and above really don't focus in on what their avatar is media companies do it great right industry yep. media companies do it great but when you get where the rubber meets the road and who's actually consuming goods and services. I find that the avatar is missed by sales organizations, at least all the time. Do you see the same thing in the event space? Um, yeah, a little bit. And I think it's a hard one to kind of drill down into as well. Um, you know, some people do a really good job, but uh, there's, uh, I don't know if you've ever listened to Johnny Dooms' podcast. I haven't, yeah. Um, yeah, he does um, Entrepreneurs on Fire. He's a really successful podcast. And he talks about his avatar. The guy's name is Jimmy. He uh, works at a job that he doesn't love. He commutes 45 minutes into it every morning listening to a podcast. He commutes 30 minutes back out in the evening in traffic or no traffic listening to another podcast. He gets home. He's got a wife, two kids. Um, you know, he's caught up in the getting the homework done, getting dinner on the table, getting the kids to bed. And finally, at the end of that very long and disengaging day, he has a couple of hours to work in his business before he goes to bed to start all over again tomorrow. So that's like a very, you know, definite of who he's talking to. So if you can get that specific, um, it's really going to help you. But even if you're not that specific, as specific not the ocean specific, even if you're not that specific, ah, I'm saying it wrong again. If you're not that, you want to at least get like an idea of who it is, um, you know, what What are their trials? What are their, their struggles? Um, who are their enemies? That type of stuff. Russell Brunson has a great kind of, um, you know, slay their enemies, be on their side type of thing, tell them it's okay. Um, but, you know, get down to that kind of a level. So it's not just like demographics, it's a 45 year old male, it's um, someone living in Wisconsin. It's more of like the emotional stuff. Like what's driving them? It's interesting. Um, as you say that, 
in the sales profession, we're seeing people using artificial intelligence more and more. We're seeing yeah. intent data starting to really evolve. Um, in my software business, my partner and I have had the debate. I, I am the more technical of the two. He okay. is the more practical of the yeah. two. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, we've had the debate about where does technology really play? And yeah. you know, we, we have found ourselves, ironically, doing better in emerging tech client set and software client set than we ever intended. It's actually the exact opposite of who, when we launched the new product, we thought we would get. We said, yeah. what, what's your product? So we actually have a uh, sales coaching methodology. And what oh, it wow. does is, um, if you think about the average sales trainer, here's what you do, here's how you follow up, here's how you do this. I joke, it, it's an impolite reference, but I am a mercenary. People hire us to come in and go with their top performers and look at those top performers, top three deals. And are they gonna win them? And where do they stand? And we have a whole bunch of mapping and a whole bunch of stuff and you know, each with 30 plus years of experience in the background. And it's a facilitated conversation. And we've developed it into, we deliver it as a desktop app at, through Excel, believe it or not, because people okay. can't always put an executable on and increasingly through Google Sheets. And when we started it, you know, it, my partner had started it 17 years ago now on a whiteboard and, wow. you know, and it evolved into an Excel version. And then we involved, you know, involved developers and it grew from there. And we said, people are never going to use this inside of a CRM. We're not going to write interfaces. We're not going to have hooks. You know, this is what our customer looks like because that's what his traditional customer looked like. Yeah. If you turn around now, my customer is a large software company or an early stage aggressive growth software company that has three to nine deals per market segment that they have to win. So, you know, we go in and do the, do the hard thing and it's about having a platform and just teaching everyone a vocabulary and look at the deal. But it's, it's kind of funny because my customer is not who I ever imagined it would be. Yeah, and that tends to be the thing because you have this idea when you start off that, oh, you know, even when I was launching this product, like it, it's, it's funny, you know, I've been doing sponsorship for years, about 10 years now. So I wouldn't call myself an expert, but somewhat of an expert in that. And then all of a sudden I'm launching a product and I'm, I'm like a newbie. I'm like, oh my God, how do you send an email? What, what, what do I do next, you know? Um, and I had an idea of who my avatar was. I actually had three separate avatars and had to try and choose one. And then, you know, I, and I've gotten some great feedback from people who bought, which is amazing. But, you know, I was putting them through this long funnel and a guy who had bought it for me called me up and he's like, can I just get the thing? I just go through five emails before I got a link to buy. Can you just give it to me? You know? So it's like, it's a different, it's that like driven entrepreneur that just wants to get it done. They're probably not going to do it themselves. They're going to pass it on to somebody in their, in their company to, to, you know, um, do everything but they're just like they want the solution now versus like hey this is my getting to know you sequence you know i'm building up trust with you they're like we don't care what's the result exactly yeah 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 yeah, yeah. it's funny yeah I, we really thought our client set would be the 20 million dollar and below it reseller space nope it's the people that create the tech and are selling it directly to end users by the way yeah. happy to have them they have more money to spend it, so. yeah. awesome awesome and probably easier to deal with as well let's yeah. To, yeah to your point though it, it took all of the well i don't know how am i going to do this how am i going to staff it you have somebody who's driving a number yeah looking for a hockey stick curve 
Mm-hmm. And my favorite, and I tell the story fairly frequently, is I'd call somebody. They had a deal that was literally a keep the lights on, the lights go off in a business kind of thing. And they're like, nope, yeah. we got it. We've known this. We've known this customer forever. It was last spring, so COVID hit, right? Yeah. All the buyers changed. Everything changed. They lost a the deal like a competitor they never saw coming. Wow. They called me back. I put my price up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, now, now we're analyzing a loss. Oh, man, that's ugly work. Here's my new yeah. rate. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's it's um, it's amazing. Like, you, you never, and that's what I love about business as well. It's not like a, a cookie cutter, you know, do this and this happens. It's like, it's never like that. It's always surprising you and you're always pivoting and, and, you know, trying to figure out like where to go next. And I mean, to me, that's the challenge and the fun of it. So you talked about that early on. You mentioned you come from a sciences background. Yes. Now, you're a full-fledged entrepreneur. How do you get yeah. from there to there? Um, I had a child. That'll <laughs> do. Like, okay. And I don't think I was a great scientist either. I don't know. I just, I worked for six years and then that was it. And um, it was yeah. funny when I was graduating college, it's, it's, um, I went to college in Ireland. So it's ours is a three-year degree. And then you go on and do what's called BA modern moderatorship to get an honors degree. So when I was, uh, and we were a small class, it was like 20 people, I did biochemistry, there was like 20 people in our biochemistry class. And um, so we'd be like in the bar with the professors at night and stuff like that. It was just, it was very informal, which I loved. And there was one professor that um, I really respected him, but I, you know, I was going to go on and do a PhD and I was a gung-ho. He's like, yeah, you should not do a PhD. And I was like, I'm so upset. I was like, why? And he's like, you you just shouldn't do a PhD. You just shouldn't, you know. He's like, you need to probably find something different to do. And I was like, wow, you know. Wow. Yeah. Well, I didn't spend a lot of my money. My parents did, but I was like, glad that we um, did this, you know, four years later. Um, but yeah, it's um, it, it was what I thought I wanted to do. I thought I was going to be a researcher and find like a cure for cancer or something else as noble. And then um, I just, it, it's. You know, it was a combination of having Ashling and a combination of like never being like fully engaged. When I do what I do now, I'm like, I'm so engaged. And like people knock my door, like my family be like, you know, it's dinner time, right? Or, you know, it's midnight. <laughs> Gotta go yeah. over here. So, yeah, it's um, when you get when you start doing something and, and my kids now, one is a marine biologist and one's a teacher. And I tease them all the time. I'm like, you're never going to work a day in your life because they, they don't. They, they have jobs, but they just love what they do. Love and what they do. There's nothing better in life than to be like that. Yeah, that's true. And it's interesting, you know, for a long time, I think people fight their nature. And I was one of those, right? Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to do all these other things. You know what I'm really good at? I'm really good at business. And finally, I got to a point where I'm like, well, I guess, you know, I ought to just accept that this is what my gift is. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, do what you're good at, do what lights you up. And, um, you know, and but sometimes it's hard to know what that is like it's hard to know ourselves it's very easy to look at someone else and say oh they should be this that or the other but to know yourself is really tough it is you know and it, it's funny you know my children are in their mid-20s now yep and the pressure i saw for them to know what they were going to be in these when they were 12 13 14 years old well, this is your whole path and i'm yeah. like if you can do math, science, and read at a high enough level, screw them. They can, you know, you can go study whatever, whatever. you want when you get to the yeah. university level. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was the same with mine. I mean, they, they kind of knew what they wanted um, pretty early. They actually went to an agricultural high school, which is totally different to what, you know, the norm is over here. 
Yep. Um, you know, so that that was kind of led them, but it was the same thing. Like there was never a pred. Like I don't think I ever asked them what you want to be when you grow up. It was just you know, it's like what do you want to study this year in school. More of the question, because yep. it's it's hard. Like I mean, and and they, they see me. And they've seen the different companies and the the progression. So like I joke them and say I'm still trying to figure out what I want to be when I grow up, and one day I will. But <laughs> I haven't yet. <laughs> yeah. It, I don't ever want to grow up, to be honest. And yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. ever want to have the same yeah. day twice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, it's just, you know, it gets boring. So why be bored? <laughs> so we've talked about a lot of stuff, you know. Um, what's a couple final takeaways for listeners if they're considering adding sponsorship to events? So I, if you're considering having sponsors, so can I look at it from the sponsor's point of view and work backwards from there? So, um, and, and look at who is at your event as well and what do they need? So you're kind of looking at those two angles and then coming back to yourself, if that makes sense. Okay. So um, with your sponsors, um, as you start to, well, actually start with your audience, like what is it that they need? Because there's no point bringing in a sponsor that isn't going to serve them because that's not going to work for anyone. Um, but kind of come up with your list of what they need. Um, the the uh, little training thing that I am um, given out will help you with that. Um, and then uh, with the sponsors, you just want to find out like what is it that would make a no-brainer for them. Like I was on, um, I was talking to somebody recently, and he was saying, you know, there was, there was one time that I wanted to sponsor something because it meant that you could go be in the green room with this great speaker. And I was like, wow, that, that's like a total easy give. I mean, we can yeah. just have you come in and introduce you to the speaker, and the, your life was made probably, and it was like nothing, you know. Yeah. So, so talk to the sponsors, see what it is that would be ideal for them, and um, just if you can make it happen, make it happen. If you can't, try and get close, you know. That's that's good advice, and it also reminds me of a story where somebody had hired a um, fairly well-known aging rock star to perform in an event. Yeah. Right. And literally people were sponsoring because he was the performer and you got to go backstage with him. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> right. And it was, you know, it was like, and it, it wouldn't matter if there was like nobody at the event as long as the guys showed up. Right. <laughs> you, you know, it was a private concert for about 250 people. That's one people got to go backstage and 20 sponsors got to go backstage and spend 10 minutes with the guy. Right. That's amazing. And That's like, amazing. wow, was that worth 50 grand? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Some people it is. I mean, why yeah. not? It's an experience. Like, I, I, I really feel like money is, is, you make money to create experiences for yourself. It's not like the accumulation of money. It's like to, to just have, I hate to say have a better life because you don't need money to have a better life, but like use it to enrich your life versus like just, you know, doing it for the money to have a number. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, you know, I, I, I have friends that are car people. I have friends that are experienced people, right? Yeah. And yeah. I have friends that won't spend a nickel. So they're yeah. all over the board. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, and they're probably happy doing what they're doing, you know, whatever that experience is. Sometimes the experience is driving a fancy, but I don't even know enough about cars to know what a fancy one will be. But, you know, as, as, as long as it's the four wheels and it goes, I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, I have a German car thing that I've broken. So, you know, I never got to the Italian sports car phase, though. There you go. There you go. I, I drive a Kia. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I, at this point, I have a 12-year-old Honda because it never breaks. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Something yeah. that you can rely on. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Sheila, thanks so much for taking the time. I've enjoyed talking to you and having you on. This has been great, Tim. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity to be on and, and um, talk to all your people. <laughs>